That was um, that was actually Adrian's dad. He heard something about like some fake IDs, and he wanted to know what I knew about them. Apparently, a lot of people had like some Nevada IDs that have been turning up. So he just had some questions for me, real quick. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, no, that was just a guy from the church, like an elder from the church I used to go to. Oh checking up on me ever since I left. And that's the thing, too, because he's like, oh, is this a bad time for a phone call? And it's like, oh, I'm recording my homosexual <laughs> podcast. Um, <laughs> actually, it's really... So, actually, it's not a great time. But then I was just like, no, um, it, it's it's good. Because, yeah. That's just how it be sometimes. Mm-hmm. We love um, evangelical Christianity. Yes, fully endorsed, no problems with, no notes, honestly. Keep doing what you're doing. It's going very well for you. <laughs> Speaking of um, <laughs> God being cruel, Secret Life of the American Teenager, episode 14. Let's talk about it. The Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit, am no. I right? <laughs> okay, never mind. Anyway, we're... Welcome to the podcast. Hi. I don't usually take lead on this, but I'm feeling really bold today. I'm feeling the bold type, as if I was on Freeform or something. So, hi. Welcome to the secret life of two gay American teenagers. I'm Jesse. And I'm Aaron. And we host the podcast called The Secret Life of Two Gay American Teenagers. Buckle up, babes. You're in for a wild ride, okay? Oh my god. We open on episode 14, The Father and the Son, to a father, but no sons. It's Ashley, George, and Anne. Ashley is going to get the door. Oh, Oh, I'm an idiot. I thought you were saying father is in a reverend, because there is a reverend in this scene, too. Oh, yeah, there is. But he hasn't showed up yet. I'm an idiot, but still good. Still good segue. (laughs) So there's there's a door knock. Ashley's, like, going to get it. Amy's, like, nowhere to be found, apparently. But George and Anne are, like, also going to get the door and are, like, fighting as they go to get the door. And Reverend Stone is at the door. (laughs) He introduces himself. Oh, you know, like, I'm Jack's dad. And then he's, like, (laughs) talks to Ashley and he goes, hello, Amy, how are you? Oh, (laughs) Ashley... Mm. goes you know i'm fine except i'm having the devil's baby and i'm in love with ben (laughs) which honestly those things are equally bad in my opinion those are both tragic events so funny the quick wit he honestly pissed me off so much the reverend yeah he's way too happy oh i kind of like that about him it's not often you see a fun priest you know (laughs) I don't know, like, he just seems, like, a little bit, like, condescending to me. Oh, he definitely is. <laughs> um, I I didn't know what to make of him throughout the whole thing, honestly. Because um, I, I wanted to dislike him really bad, but, like, there were a couple times where I'm like, no, I kind of maybe like him. I don't know. Then he, like, goes to leave and Ashley, like, opens the garage door and is like, I want to talk to you. I gotta say, there's a little bit of my, like, sleeper cell programming that went off at this point. Because I was like, oh, I'm so glad she's going to find Christ. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't try to, like, evangelize her this entire conversation, which is interesting. That's why I liked him so much. Like, he never, he kind of went tit for tat with Ashley. Like, they went back and forth really well. And, like, he never tries to change her or like shame her for like making references or like he doesn't treat her like she's a nuisance like her father does mm-hmm. and he never really pushes religion on her either which i thought was pretty cool she like offers him a beer it feels very like playhouse well i mean george's living situation is very much just him playing house yeah. in the garage 
Ashley and Reverend Stone have this whole conversation that is exclusively for exposition. Like, there's yes. no other reason for it. That is why they introduced the Reverend. Because the devil's in the details, you know? Also, so weird for Ashley to, like, confront him about basically telling Jack to date Grace to keep the money in the church. And weird for him to admit that's exactly what he was doing. It was so weird. He's like, Jack is my stepson. I met, you know, my current wife while at grief counseling. And And Ashley (laughs) rightfully, like, freaks the fuck out at that. And is like, really? You were counseling her for grief and then you hooked up with her? Which was what I also thought happened when it was first said that they met at grief counseling a couple episodes ago. Because that's kind of what Jack alluded to. Yeah, he said that they met at grief counseling and, like, he's a pastor, so what do you assume a pastor's at grief counseling doing? Probably counseling the grieving. But then we find out that Jack's son... Not Jack's son. Jack does not have a son. (laughs) The Reverend Stone's son died. And then his marriage fell apart as a result. He keeps, like, complimenting her, and he's like, you have a wonderful mind. You pay attention to the details. A wonderful trait. It's so weird. Another thing I liked about the Reverend was eventually the whole purpose of why Ashley wanted to talk to him is revealed she wants him to step in and, like, keep her parents from getting divorced. Mm-hmm. But instead of, like, jumping all on board, like a lot of pastors I know would do, or being like, oh, yes, divorce is terrible, it's a sin, he goes, are you sure you want that? They don't seem very happy. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was really cool to see a priest not encourage people to stay in bad situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would potentially go to his church until they found out I was gay and kicked <laughs> me out, you know? Yeah. Um... It's so weird this entire time, though, because this, like, man is talking to Ashley, and then there's also a random man just, like, in a car watching. Yes, did we know he was there at that point? It, it, like, zoomed out, and you saw them after Ashley asked for Reverend Stone's help to, like, not get her parents divorced. That doesn't make grammatical sense, but... And this random man calls the Bowman the Bowman household to look for Ricky. Oh. Yes. Holy. And Tom tells him. And then him, Tom tells him, and he feels bad about it immediately. Ricky is at the batting cages. Which, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, Amy comes into the garage with Ashley because, like, Reverend Stone left. They have their first scene where I actually buy ashley and amy as sisters mm-hmm. like they've gotten so much like the relationship between them they must have hung out offset or something because like mm-hmm. they're bickering but it's playful and like yeah they don't just outright hate each other anymore yeah amy keeps telling ashley to like shut up during this it's very good yes but ashley like starts like dumping all of like the family's money anxiety on to amy and Amy is yeah. like, oh, all this talk of money is so common. Yes. <laughs> that, I mean, as someone who, like, before I understood, like, class warfare and, like, capitalism would often make the joke of, like, insert object here is for poor people. I felt very represented by Amy Jurgens in this moment. Yeah. I want to have a conversation with Amy Jurgens too, because she said that she earned $20 babysitting. And as someone who makes most of their money nannying, I'm like, babes, you got to negotiate a better deal. You're being exploited. I used to get exploited all the time when I was in high school, like babysitting for people. Oh, yeah. People think you can toss like 10 bucks your way for like four hours. I get paid very well now, but it's like people at your church, like they really are the ones to exploit you. I used to babysit for like free for some families. I used to try to babysit for free for like my aunts and uncles for like their kids. But then they would always like force me to take money and I would like fight back. But then I would also just take the money because like it was my time and my time is valuable. Yeah. Learn that early. Which I do appreciate that they did like kind of force money into my pockets sometimes because like I would try to not take it because I thought that's what you were supposed to do before Mm -hmm. I realized that my time was valuable and I deserved compensation for spending five hours of a Friday night in a different home with a snotty child. Mm -hmm. I'm like 
still do that for like 40 hours a week now. <laughs> <laughs> but I get paid very well, so it's fine. Well, that's fine. Um, so Amy is looking for a job with insurance, which she's like 15. Also, at 15... I don't know what labor laws were like in 2008, but right now you can't really get jobs at 15 no, without special permissions. Yeah. And even then you can only work like 10 hours. Yeah. Unrealistic. And Ashley keeps on saying she'll get a job. And it's like, no, if 15 is sketchy, you definitely cannot get a job at 13 unless you're like selling drugs, maybe. Or like if you you can work on a farm because yeah. farms don't have to follow any labor rules, which is really kind of fucked when you think about it but whatever mm-hmm. and amy is like maybe i'll start my own business and ashley's like you fucking idiot <laughs> no so then ashley oh. suggests that ricky gets a job to which amy's response is to call ben to ask if she can ask ricky to get a job to help support this baby which is just like which ugh. also not his decision like you don't have to loop him in on these things he's your high school boyfriend also, he picks up the phone and doesn't... He just goes, I love you, as soon as he picks That's up the disgusting. phone. That's <laughs> disgusting. That is the most heterosexual shit I've seen in my life. And then Ben is like, wow, you got a whole $20 for babysitting? Wow. Ben doesn't understand the concept of money. No, because he like has so much of it. Ben is Lucille Bluth in Arrested Development. <laughs> it's a banana. How much could it cost? <laughs> Ten dollars? You babysat all night. What did you get? Twenty dollars? Um, oh, rip to Jessica Walters. I know. That's uh, so sad. Ben declines. He's like tells Amy that she can't ask Ricky to like help with the baby, and then which is so stupid. He has this like completely just like fucked line that I don't understand what his point was. But he's like, technically, we're not married, and technically, it's not my baby. What like, is there? Yeah, what are you saying? <laughs> Isn't that support for why he should be helping you? Also, it's not technically. You're not married and it's not your baby. And then they noticed the man who was like watching them. Oh, that's so scary. And then he comes up and is like, hello, I'm Bob Underwood, Ricky's dad. And then Amy's like, stay where you are. And then the garage door shuts comically slow. She has like the garage door opener like in her hand, which is just like weird weird yeah yeah so like they shut him out and then there's like a jack and tom scene tom wants to go to the batting cages because of the phone call (laughs) tom can't get a hold of them and jack says well if they're at the batting cages their phones are probably off (laughs) (laughs) no they're not they're not at the movie theater you know it is a rule at the batting cages you do have to silence (laughs) your cell phones before you get in the cage Oh, and then there's gosh. like this weird line where Jack is like, oh, well, it might be Ricky's stepdad. I think they, I think there was a mistake and they just kept it in. But I did like hyper focus on that because I was like, Ricky doesn't have a stepdad. I'm Does he? Have, he could have a stepdad. We just don't know about I mean, he technically could, but I was like a little confused. But I don't no, know if they the... meant like foster dad. Well, but... it could also be just Jack not knowing anything about Ricky's situation, really. That's true. And just trying uh, to think of any explanation, because Jack has a stepdad. That's true. And Jack might be the kind of person that thinks anything that happens to him happens to everyone. <laughs> that's very true. But then they kind of come to the conclusion that Jack's going to come pick Tom up. They're going to go to the batting cages, even though they're going to show up to like their date again, and it's going to be awkward. Yes, and Jack doesn't want to because he doesn't want Grace thinking that he's like trying to interfere because he really doesn't care about her anymore, he says. So then we go back to the Jurgens household. Bob Ugh, and George are I... like talking together at the door and Bob says that like Ricky lied about him. That was so gross to watch. Yeah. And then Bob offers them money and George is like, okay. And he like takes his number and then just like yeah. shuts the door. <laughs> no, I just have like... George is trying, going to, like, exploit this man's resources. Like, he's going to extort money out of him somehow. Mm-hmm. But, like, he shouldn't because I think he's a terrible person. Yeah. The unfortunate thing I did put was that he is a better actor than Ricky, so he's, like, better at selling his lies about mm. Ricky than Ricky is, which is a little confusing because I found myself, like, initially being like, oh, my gosh, did Ricky lie? And then I'm like, no, no, obviously not. That's awful. Mm-hmm. 
And then I was like, there's no way that this show was going to, like, fake that allegation if yeah. they didn't tackle this issue seriously. Like, you can't do that. <laughs> also, that would just mean that, like, Ricky is truly, like, a psychopath. Oh, yeah. So we're at the batting cages with oh. Ricky and Grace. <laughs> A batting cages date? What is this? Level 5 of the Faith Confidant in Shin Megami Tensai, Persona 5 Royal? (laughs) There's gonna be one person who listens to this and is like, yes, exactly. (laughs) And that was, that reference goes out to whoever that may be. We salute you. Ricky's trying to help Grace, like, learn how to do the batting cages, like, how to swing a bat. Yeah. And then he's like, it's fine. I'll put it on the slowest pitch. And he, like, puts the token in. He puts it in the baseball slot, which is, like, that's, like, the fastest pitch. It's clearly said softball right next door to it. go for the softball. But he puts it in the baseball one. And I was just like, okay, interesting. Why to Grace? And then a ball comes pretty fast and grace like screams and he just like chastises grace and is like the ball's not gonna hit you it could hit her it could i know my way around the batting cage it's okay <laughs> i played baseball for two years i know some things it could hit her and okay so then he like exits the cage and ricky calls <sighs> adrian during That's his disgusting. date with grace so gross like how do you do that and like adrian even says that she's like aren't you out with grace you fucking pig (laughs) and he's like i'm gonna come over later and adrian is like whatever just like bring food which is the right answer no that's what honestly like anyone could come over and do whatever they want to me as long as they bring food Mm -hmm. oh so jack and tom show up right Uh, yeah and ricky doesn't believe them yeah. I don't know he how accuses you Jack of Tom. using Tom. Yeah. Which, like, felt gross to me because he wasn't using Tom. Like, he's trying to be a good guy to Tom despite not really having any reason to anymore. Mm-hmm. Grace comes over and instead of, like, explaining the whole thing again, they're like, we're just here to do some batting cages. I will say that does kind of suck for Grace that her first two dates with this guy, her brother and ex-boyfriend, have just inexplicably been at. Yeah, for sure. But also, I'm glad because they need a chaperone. I don't trust Ricky. I, I also don't trust Ricky. Speaking of people I don't trust, George and Anne and Amy are having this conversation about Ricky's former abuse. Yeah, I do which... just want to take a pause to talk about Amy's outfit. Oh, yes, please. Which is like pirate bubblegum, <laughs> like chic. She's wearing, like, puffy sleeves, like, a brown vest over it, and then, like, an open scarf. Oh, very, like, Colby Calais core. Yeah, that's true. That's a good way to describe it. it but it was quite <laughs> the choice. Quite the choice. Oh. That so, had a moment out there at that moment. In, in 2008, I'm sure everyone was wearing those, probably. I hope not. Just be glad that we didn't have any... I don't think we've had any gauchos show up yet, so, like... Oh, my God. I wore gauchos. I mean, I'm sure you did. Everyone wore gauchos. It's like a very like church slash like homeschool thing to wear culottes. Was that a thing? Oh, I just like that word. I never learned what it meant. (laughs) Okay. But so Amy tells Anne and George this in her horrific outfit. And and Anne immediately makes it all about her. Good for her. Anne (laughs) knows that she's played by the only bankable star at this point. And she's gonna make it about her. And, yeah, she's like, why didn't you tell me? I thought we were close. And it's like, that's not really the point of this. Also, that's not really something you should... I don't know that she still should have... At this point, she kind of had to, because otherwise they might start trusting Ricky's father. Mm Mm-hmm. But, like, there was no reason for her to tell them before. Yeah. And George, like, doesn't believe it. Because he's a shitty person. That was gross. I fucking yeah, hate of him. Course. It's always men that they can't even believe the victims when the victims are men. So I know Anne takes this and like runs with it and is like, "Well, this is like another example of why like you and Ricky wouldn't be good parents because like clearly he's messed up. He can't be a father, which is just like super shitty." Yeah, that was actually awful. Because I will say. Um, Based on 
their family dynamics, like the Jurgens, I think maybe adoption would be a better option, but I don't think Ricky's situation really plays into it. Yeah. Um, and Amy gets upset. She's like, fine, call whoever you need to call to get a baby adopted, which like, maybe you should take the lead on that, Amy, as you yeah. are the pregnant one. And no, then, she wouldn't. Why would she do that? That would involve taking responsibility for I her know. situation at any point. Um, and then Anne is like, "Oh, now I feel bad." <laughs> yes. And Amy's just like, "Okay," and like leaves. <laughs> oh my gosh! I think it is like really hard for me. Like I do. I think Amy is like a whiny little bitch. Yes. But I do, like, there is some part of her where it's, like, she has to take all this responsibility for a baby when, like, no. what happened to her well, wasn't super consensual. And it's, no, like... No, and that's what... Yeah. I was literally just thinking after I made that last comment about her having to take responsibility. I'm like, shit, have we turned into Lauren? <laughs> like... You know, like, I was kind of angry at Lauren a couple episodes ago for, like, snapping at Amy and being like, stop being whiny. You got yourself in this situation. Take care of it. And now I'm realizing, like, that was actually really natural character development because of the way Amy acts. Because I don't blame her for getting pregnant, but if she's choosing to keep the baby, she needs to take responsibility. And that's what I'm upset with her about. I'm not upset with her about getting pregnant or the situations around her pregnancy, it's everything yeah. else that she's annoying the hell out of me about. And I'm it's so like, angry. When she made that decision to, like, not get an abortion, it's like, okay, now you actually have to, like, think about what you're going to do. If you've made this decision, you can't just stay stagnant and expect mm-hmm. everyone else to do everything for you. Exactly. And it is hard. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. That's why you but should like, go to your fucking special school where they can fucking help you. Well, that's the thing. Every, at every turn, whenever people try to help... They make the worst possible decision. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's getting exhausting, honestly, and I just want her to have this baby so I can stop caring about this aspect. Ziggy, come on. Also, they said in this episode, or the last, I can't remember which, that she's halfway through her pregnancy. Didn't they say she was six months along? Like two episodes ago. Like two episodes ago? <laughs> yeah. Are they just directly contradicting themselves now? Because I feel like I'm going so crazy. Yeah, they're also like, oh, she doesn't know the sex of the baby yet. And it's like, at this point, you would know. I think they filmed a bunch of these and they didn't decide which order they were going in. (laughs) And then they, you know, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, when I heard them say you're halfway through your pregnancy, uh, like a little piece of me died. (laughs) The continuity. Amazing. Mm. Do we want to move on? Yes. Oh, yes. I need to. So now we're at Adrian's apartment and her dad like pops over and brings food because her mom is gone again. See, this is the place where I kind of, again, I understand where Adrian's very hot father is coming from. (laughs) You know, like Mm -hmm. she's left alone for so many days at a time. I understand why he kind of came in and tried to overstep his boundaries a little bit. Yeah. And again, if he wasn't so hot, I don't think I would be as easily forgiven. <laughs> um, Adrian, like, lies to him and is like, I'm studying for a test. And he's like, oh, take a break. And then she's like, actually, I'm waiting for company. And, like, then just is, like, very comfortable being like, yeah, Ricky's going to come over. We're going to fuck. Like, <laughs> sorry. Adrian's dad says something about the fake IDs again. And he's like, they're very serious business since 9-11. Yes! <laughs> Oh my gosh, I forgot about the weird little 9-11 reference. Which I was just like, they were always pretty serious business. Yeah, also, like, I'm sorry, I don't think the fake IDs were the big part of 9-11, were they? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's just referencing the Patriot Act, that really good thing that happened <laughs> that we all are really on board with and support wholeheartedly. Um, the thing that would could potentially get me arrested on this podcast if I said anything negative about it. Hey, FBI agent, want to come on the pod? FBI agent, actually, if you've been chilling out in my computer, you've watched me watch this show. So, like, <laughs> I'd like to hear your takes. <laughs> That's actually, that's who my no-caller ID caller was earlier, and they are coming on the pod, just so you know. I'm so thrilled. That was such, like, a throwaway line, though. I don't really understand. It was very much in the vein of the pilot when Molly Ringwald says all those North Korea references. Mm-hmm. And, like, in the episode with Grace praying and, like, effing shit up with 
the beer bottle where they're like, there's stuff going on with Al-Qaeda. Mm-hmm. But right now we watch this cheerleader. I just don't get it. Are they, they're going to send someone to war is what they're, they're trying to prep us mm, for it. I wonder. Who do you Jack. think is most likely to get sent to war? It's either Jack or Ricky, right? It's gotta be. I don't think Ricky would go. I think Ricky will get sent to military school, but I think Jack will enroll willingly. Yeah, maybe. I can see that. You heard it here first, folks, even though this you show has been first. out and finished. For- That's the thing. <laughs> Do you think people who are like actual fans of the show ever listen to it and are like, you know, you could just Google what happens, right? <laughs> <laughs> like we're oh. speculating on things that ended seven years I ago. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. Oh. Um Adrian's dad then like shares too much info about Ricky. It's so weird that he's like using his power as like DA to like oh creep stalk on all his, of his yeah. daughter's friends. No, he's mean and he goes about it the wrong way. Um, he also is kind of speaking truth to her in a way that no one else has. Yeah, and like telling her like you're worth more than this. He doesn't really care about you the way you want him to. Also, he does have like a good, like nuanced line here where he's talking about how like Ricky's parents were bad, but that doesn't mean like their children are bad. I liked that he did make that clarification because it felt like the stance the show was actually trying to take, which was that Ricky's not bad because his parents were bad. Ricky's bad because he's a piece of shit independently of his parents being bad. <laughs> yeah. And I think that is important for him to make that distinction after, like, Mrs. Jurgens and Mr. Jurgens kind of freak out about his yeah. past. Like, it definitely contributes to how easy it is for him to kind of, like, turn bad or whatever because he has, has yeah. like, these you know, systemic forces against him or whatever, but... And that's the thing. If everyone... You know, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, I was a Soch miner. I know these things. But when (laughs) everyone around you hears those things and then makes assumptions about you based on them, you start to fulfill what they're Mm -hmm. thinking. Because if people are treating you like that, you might as well deserve the treatment you're getting. Yeah. It's why I'm gay, because people kept on calling me gay behind my back for doing theater. So I was like, you know what? I might as well start kissing boys. Yeah, I thought that was important. Yeah. Yeah, especially coming from Anne being like, oh, well, he'll be a terrible father because this thing happened to him. It's like... yeah. That's bullshit. I really want to root for Anne, but she makes it hard sometimes. I know. She's... I don't... She's not very likable. Um, Adrian kicks her dad out. He gives her, like, a card with his number. And then, like, the local neighborhood watch person and the, like, police chief. I'm like, wow, that's quite the card you just have in your, like, pocket. Yeah. What are you doing? Making a Cubano? Because that's a lot of pork going around. (laughs) Oink, oink. Am I right? Um... It was interesting, though, because he's like, here's the number. Here's the thing in case something bad happens, which I thought was going to, like, foreshadow something bad happening later in the episode. But nothing bad happens. It's Chekhov's gun, but used wrong. Like, we're shown a gun in the first act, and it just continues to sit there in the background for the entire episode. (laughs) Yeah. Then we're back at the batting cages. Now Grace is outside of the cage while Ricky is, like, hitting the thing. The ball. That's yeah. what you do at a batting cage. And Grace calls her mom. Notice how she doesn't call another boy. Yeah. She does an okay thing. Because <laughs> Grace has a moral compass. I know. And Grace is, says that Jack and Tom showed up, but she's like over it. And she thinks it's sweet that they're protective of her. Yes. And she's like, I think we're all going to be friends. Mm-hmm. Kathleen, though, she is like, why do they need to be protective of you? And Grace is like, oh, you know, like, blah, blah, blah. And, like, really, it's because Ricky might, like, try to have sex with Grace. Yes, yes. Kathleen is, like, she's so cool. Like, she's done very little to make me dislike her. I know. She's had a few slip-ups here and there. She violated HIPAA pretty bad, but, like, other than that... Yeah, that's true. Grace hangs up with her mom, and Bob comes up to her and just, like, stands next to her, which is so fucking creepy. We need to buy Grace some pepper spray. Yes. No, yes. That way she doesn't have to rely on whatever beer bottles happen to be next to her when she's praying. This, like, opening line, too, he, like, comes up and he's like, so which one's your boyfriend? Did you not know what your son looks like? So... 
And her response is she's like, well, that one is my brother. That one is my old boyfriend. And that one's my new boyfriend. But I think they're all going to be friends. Yes. <laughs> Why? Why are you sharing Why? this with this Don't random man? Don't talk to strangers. Like, also, I will say every time that man was on the screen, like my stomach tightened. I was oh, so yeah. scared. Me too. I felt so afraid. Because in spite of myself, I care about these kids. <laughs> I don't want nothing bad to happen to them. No, I mean, yeah, like, Jack and Tom both come out to, like, be like, this man is creepy. So, like, you're in good company. And then Ricky notices and he freaks out and he, like, charges him with a bat. That was the hottest Ricky has ever been. <laughs> the response, though, like, Bob literally has been, like, calling around trying to find out where Ricky is this entire episode. And then he, like, actually gets a chance to, like, see Ricky. And he just insults him. Yeah. And then he's he, like, mean. leaves. He's a vile person. He's just like, you're going to be a bad father. And then just leaves. Yeah. Any residual doubts I might have had that, like, his side of the story was correct, which were very small anyway, just, like, flew out the window. It's like, no, this is a bad person. Ugh, I don't like him in his stupid little Hawaiian shirt. I hate him, and I hope they don't try to humanize him or make him good in any way. Yeah, I hope not. So then we're the next day at school, and Ben sides with George here, and he's like, oh, so Ricky could be lying about his fucking abuse? <sighs> Gross. And then Amy is like scapegoating Ricky to be kind of the same way her mom did, where she's like, I can't raise a baby with Ricky because, like, you know, he's, like, messed up. Which, like, you already like, knew this about him, so, like, why... You know what, we'll talk about my feelings about Ricky and Amy in a second, I think. Okay. So Amy and Ben both keep wanting the baby to be a girl. Again, they forget that gender neutral pronouns exist throughout this whole episode. Throughout this whole series. Uh, yeah, truly. Um, and then... But actually, I will say I don't think gender neutral pronouns were around in 2008. Is that a possibility? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um... I don't know. I don't think I ever said them prior to 2012. You learned the pronouns they, them, theirs in like elementary school because if you did not know the gender or something, you would just say. Yeah. Like, oh, someone left their wallet here. A deep little character study of language. <laughs> but so like they could have used gender neutral pronouns. Yeah, they, they could have. Yeah, that was like... a joke. But then all of a sudden I was thinking about it. And I'm like, wow, people really weren't aware of that possibility for a while. Yeah. And to an extent, people still aren't because people are willfully obtuse. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Wow. What a, what a journey we've taken because of this stupid little baby. <laughs> I'll say it. The baby on the Secret Life of the American Teenager worst character in season one. <laughs> Causing drama oh everywhere they go. Uh, um, Amy suggests adoption and Ben is like, no, you have to keep the baby. Oh, gross. Is this when he starts talking about how they're like handling it in an They're basically adults anyway. And like, we're yeah. handling this in an adult way. And it's like, no, you're not. You tried to get married with fake IDs at 15 years old. You're handling this like very stupid children. <laughs> Amy does say the first good thing, like, she's said in the series so far, which she's like, this can't be a decision based on emotion, which I do have to say there's, like, always that dichotomy where it's, like, either you make, like, a logical decision or you make, like, an emotional decision, but I think there's, like, a good middle ground that she doesn't mm -hmm. really consider where it's, like, I mean, this is going to be emotional no matter what because it's, like, a child that you are growing in your body. Yes. But you can kind of, like, remove yourself a little bit to talk about the pros and the cons of everything. Also, I do want to challenge what you just said, because I do think Amy says something good earlier. And that is when she says, who would want to have sex with dad? <laughs> I think that yeah, was fair. a really important line that she said, and I think that was good, and we shouldn't erase that. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> So then we go to Adrian and Ricky. I wrote down all of this dialogue because for some <laughs> reason I thought it was very important. I'm sure it was. Adrian comes up to Ricky and is like, hi, are you okay? And he goes, am I okay? She goes, you didn't show up last night. And Ricky goes, Grace must have told you we ran into someone. 
Grace didn't tell me anything. I haven't seen Grace this morning. So why aren't you yelling at me for not showing up last night? Be glad you didn't show up last night. Why is that? Because my father came to see me. Oh, what a coincidence. Mine did too. Back to, are you okay? Not really. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I thought that was so important to write down. Honestly, like, wow. (laughs) Not at all how teenagers talk, but like, I know the writer was proud of that dialogue. (laughs) The, The line where it was like, back to, are you okay? Really got me. I am begging you to give Adrian some something to work with. Give her some meat to chew, you know? I know. Um, so Adrian offers Ricky help to get a restraining order. He does say that those only work for people who follow rules yeah. and his father does not. Also, his foster parents are already moving to get a restraining order. Yeah. And then Ricky is like, the only thing I need is to see you. I am over him. He's doing the thing that Lauren says he does, which is he's taking real situations in his life. He's making himself the victim. He's making people pity him so that he can, like, Mm -hmm. sleep with them. It's just, I hate that he's using, like, the very real issues that are in his life Mm -hmm. as a ploy to, like, get in people's pants. It just cheapens, it feels like it cheapens his character, too, in the show. Yeah, that's fair. But then we go immediately to Grace and Ricky, where it's like, again, like that, like back to back Ugh. of like him with like his mistress versus him with his fucking girlfriend. And Ricky like apologizes for the night before. And Grace is like, yeah, you were kind of scary. And then Ricky like responds to this by being like, well, like if he touched you, like I would have killed him. And Grace is like, yeah, that's what I fucking mean. You're like yeah. scary. <laughs> Grace asked if ricky's dad was in prison for like hitting him and ricky is like yeah among other things that's another thing like he kind of tells every young woman in the show a different story of what happened with him and his dad which like i fully believe he was being abused but it kind of if you're just taking it at face value it makes it look like he is like the lying psychopath who just like sent his father to prison because Mm -hmm. now you have a character coming in saying he's lying You've seen him lie this entire series, Mm -hmm. and now he's telling every girl a different version of what happened to him. Mm -hmm. It gets confusing because it's like, what are you trying to... His characterization is baffling. Yes. Absolutely. I think it's like a consistency thing with the writers. Well, I think too, but that's the thing. I did remind myself too, like, especially as like a teenage boy at that time, it probably wasn't easy to say like, I was sexually assaulted by Mm -hmm. my father. So like, I do understand a little bit actually why he would kind of play down the details to the different women. Uh, Okay. Well, and then Amy shows up, which is kind of annoying because she like shows up at this like seminal moment for like Grace and Ricky, where Ricky is kind of letting Grace in a little bit. Yeah. And then Grace is like, I'll call you. And he's like, you're still going to call me even after what I just told you. And she's like, of course, it's not your fault. And I Grace think it's admirable so nice. that you're working on yourself. I know. She... The thing is, Grace has kind of done nothing wrong the entire show. And it's awful that she just keeps getting shafted by these terrible men. I know. I have Graces in my life now who, like, yes. I cannot talk to because they will be like, oh, I, just, I love you. I just can't love your lifestyle or whatever. Yes. And uh, for some reason, I still have this like huge soft spot in my heart for like this fucking knockoff Quinn Fabre character. If you would have told me at the be- when we first started watching this show that Grace would evolve to be one of the ones that I like have such a huge tenderness for and like I don't want anything bad to happen to. Mm-hmm. Also, if you just like described who Grace is being divorced from the show, I would have such issue. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a real testament to a great performance. I know. That as I much agree. as I want to smack her for being so, like, clueless and naive, I also, like, I want to shelter her like a baby bunny in a rainstorm. Like a baby bunny in a rainstorm. So Amy tells Ricky that she told her parents. Like, Ricky is, like, not thrilled about considering adoption. And he goes from, like, not really being thrilled about it to, like... Angry. Yeah, angry and, like, completely defiant. And he has, like, tears in his eyes during this scene. Yeah, and also Ricky is like, you're being selfish. Because you're not going to, like, give up everything for your baby. Which is such, like, a fucking... I hate that myth. I 
I will say, I would support Ricky in his stance and his right to voice his opinion if he had ever shown any sort of involvement or care about what happens to Amy in the big... Like, he's talking like he's actually been doing... He has done jack shit for Amy this mm-hmm. entire epi- this entire show. All he ever did was get her pregnant, and he barely talks to her afterwards. They had, like, two discussions slash arguments three episodes back, and he's done nothing else to help her or to show that he's there to support her. Mm-hmm. I don't get why he thinks he's entitled to these huge opinions and entitled to judge her and her choices when he refuses to involve himself in her life and the baby's life. He basically said that he wants to be involved, then there was no follow-up. Yes, he's done nothing except for tell Grace that he's going to be involved repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in order to like sleep with her. Yeah, so I just, I had a huge problem with that because it's like, if you're not taking any steps to help I don't think you get to act like your opinion is so important. Yeah. I fucking... I don't know. I go back and forth on Ricky because I, like, do feel bad for him, but I'm also, like, bro. I just want him to be a good person even once in this show, and it hasn't happened yet. Every time I think he might be being doing something decent, he, like, turns around and sleeps with Sean Johnson or something. <laughs> How's she doing? Um, Where's her subplot? I know. We never got a follow-up on that. Yeah, how'd their dinner go? <laughs> um, then we go to Anne and Reverend Stone. Anne is, basically is like, Amy is a little bitch. She's whiny mm. and like not doing anything. Mm. <laughs> Proud of the truth! <laughs> and then Reverend Stone is like a good listener. I think he asks good questions and then he's like, well, what do you want to do? Because like you're about to be single for the first time. And then Anne kind of reveals herself as being like just as much of a little bit Amy. Amy (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was brilliant. Like the way he handled this situation. Again, I kind of had to give it to him. Like I was very skeptical about this character at the beginning, but I really kind of liked him because... He forces Anne to come to the realization that she's being just as, like, idealistic and nonsensical and, like, not taking any real action or, like, recognizing that her life is going to change in any way with the divorce as Amy is with the baby. And, like... I know. And that actually, I think, kind of made me realize why I'd been so frustrated with the whole Anne-Amy storyline is because they are literally the same person. Mm Mm-hmm having the same problems and clashing because they don't realize they're both doing the exact same thing. Yeah. I think it's funny because the Reverend is so nice about it, but like you can see it in his eyes where he's just like, you absolute (laughs) fucking idiot. Yeah. Like you're going to go back to school and have two teenage daughters, one with a baby and you're going to be working full time and like supporting yourself. Okay. Yeah. And, like, where are you getting the money to go back to school if you mm-hmm. can't even support your family right now? His demeanor is so strange to me, though, because he says everything so, like, jolly, jolly, jolly. He's weirdly, he's, like, aggressively kind and, like, jovial. Part of me was like, are you trying to, like, get with her? But, no. Ooh, I would be down with that. But then Anne mentioned... Better than the fucking Sausage King. Um, what? <laughs> But then Anne mentions they're going to look into adoption and she's like, do you know any couples? And he's like, yeah, I know a few. Um, and like their family lawyer is going to take care of it or whatever. So so this is my question. Was that why she was talking to the Reverend? Because I couldn't figure out why they were having this conversation after she previously had no interest in talking to him. Well, I think based on the last episode when the secretary was like, you fucking need a therapist. She was like, oh, no, no, I need next best thing. Yeah. <laughs> I need some Jesus in my life. Yeah. All uh, I need is a little Jesus and a lot of coffee, you I... know? <laughs> so Ricky and Jack, it's, Jack is like, I'm going to walk you out. And he's like talking about how like, you know, he wants to like protect him from Ricky's dad or whatever. But then all of a sudden he just like shifts the conversation. There's like no segue where he's just like, she's in love with you. Oh, and yeah. Then he, he like calls Ricky out for cheating on Grace with Adrian. Yes. And then instead of like walking him out to like protect him from his dad, he just like walks away then. <laughs> yeah, that was cool, actually. Um go Jack. I'm very on team Jack in this conversation. Jack also, has had like good character arc. 
Jack has become, like, a good person, and it's blowing my mind. I think all I it know. took was those, like, four episodes where he didn't appear, and I was, like, refreshed and ready for him to be a good person afterwards. You know, we might be talking too soon, though, because the next scene is Mark and Jack together, where Mark is having, like, a crisis. It's, like, not really addressed, but his, like, eyes. You can just, like, read it oh. in his eyes. Yeah, Mark not separating his work life from his home life yeah. right now. And Jack is gonna, like, he offers, like, a mentorship opportunity for Jack. Yes. For, like, his community service for the fake IDs. And yeah. Jack is like, this is a gang neighborhood. Oh, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't great. And I was like, what the f- Like, number one, where, where does this show take place? Mike Pence's California. <laughs> it's a magical wonderland that is California, but also, like, rural Indiana. I know, it's, it's so strange. But also, like, California isn't all... I always forget there are, like, very large parts of California that are very, like, conservative, so it makes sense. I think it might actually take place in L.A. or, like, around L.A. Yeah, it's still weird. none of the setting supports that whatsoever. (laughs) Yeah, so, but Jack is like, if I don't show up for school tomorrow, you know where I am. Which is just like, okay, shut the fuck up. Yeah, that wasn't great. I forgot about that part. Maybe Jack isn't quite as good as I want him to be. Or maybe it's just a product of the times of this show. Maybe. In 2008, things like joking about gang violence were okay. <laughs> and that one is true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So Mark asks about Ricky's dad. I guess. I don't know. Mark, it was so weird. I know, like, Jack leaves and then he, like, says some line about, like, regretting marrying his wife or whatever. Yeah, that was, again, Hot Counselor's entire storyline is taking place off camera and we're just getting little (laughs) snippets. There's a part of me that does wonder, is there, like, whole scenes that they cut from previous episodes that are his exploits? Because, like... They keep on talking like all of this is stuff we should know. We need to buy the the DVD of this oh, so we can watch the deleted can, scenes. Yes, and <laughs> I, I'd need some director's commentary. I need to see what Brenda Hampton was thinking. Um, I truly do think, though, like starting with the pizza night, I think there's several scenes that were supposed to be hot counselor centric that they like cut for time. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Okay. We're in Amy's bedroom. Ashley's there. Amy's complaining about not being able to find a job. And then Anne comes in to like say goodnight. Yeah. Also, this is where Ashley again kind of says like, oh, I can get a job. And Amy's like, you're even less qualified than me. And I have the note where actually, I think emotionally, Ashley is probably more qualified. Yeah. And also Ashley isn't, you know, she's not walking into a fucking interview six months pregnant or whatever well now which apparently only four and a half months pregnant pregnancy discrimination is against the law is but it yes it is well that's exciting when did that pass 1990s what what's next are you gonna tell me the gays can work without being discriminated <laughs> against is that something and it's like i will help you but i can't raise the baby for you this is like another yes. conversation like we're there's a scene after this but last episode we ended with like an amy and Anne conversation and we're doing that again and i'm just yes. like this conversation could be an email yes and again it's all stuff that we've kind of we've known this like we know that Anne's willing to help but she's not gonna raise the baby alone I think the only noteworthy worthy thing is that Anne is talking about how she wants to like go to school and get a job. And so she's not going to be super available to help. And Amy is like, you don't have to go to school to be an architect. You're really You're smart. You're so smart already. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And then was, Anna is oh. just like, get your head out of your ass. Yeah. I did kind of like the scene where she kind of, she tells Amy like, you know, we're both so similar. Mm-hmm. We have big things going on, but we don't want to be disturbed by them. Like, we don't want to be disturbed by life. But we're both going to be disturbed. I'm going to be newly single, and you're going to be a new mother. Like, we can't keep pretending that nothing's going to change for us. 
Mm-hmm. And I thought that was important for them to both address. And I hope now we can put this damn storyline to bed. I know, me too. It's been exhausting. <laughs> then we finished the episode with, like, Ricky is outside of Adrian's apartment. And, like, Bob... Bob is just, like, fucking stalking him. Oh, I... Oh, yeah. And Ricky even says, like, no, you can't be here. We have a restraining order. Like, get the fuck away. Mm-hmm. And Bob's like... I have some, you know, important news to share. Lots of people would pay good money for a white baby. (laughs) Yes. He's literally like, hey, we can sell this baby. He's like, what the hell? Life is what you make it. I know. So let's make it rock. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's right. I just wish they didn't introduce this character because. Uh, What is the point? I would have far rather that he stayed in jail, unless he's going to push Ricky towards, like, actual progress and, like, becoming a good person somehow. Unless Ricky, like, murders him. Oh, that would be cool, actually. I would be into that. But yeah, that episode, honestly, I also had to take, like, multiple breaks throughout. Also, wait, you're forgetting. We have a new PSA. Do we? Did you not watch the new PSA? No. It's more uncomfortable than the Shailene PSA. And you can tell he doesn't want to be saying it. I'm going to have to go back and watch it. Shailene kind of tries to sell hers. He's kind of just like, they're making me do this fucking PSA and I don't want to be here. (laughs) I wonder, you know how like everybody who was on Glee like hated being on Glee? Oh, I just read an article about this. Yes. I'm so interested if like this cast got to a point. They did a reunion live stream during COVID. I know. Also, I the person like who plays, it. the girl who plays Madison and the girl who plays Lauren are best friends in real life. Oh, good for them. And they both have OnlyFans. Oh, good for them. How do we feel about this episode? It's, I mean, it was fine. I, I think we could have done without. Well, that's the thing. They try to shove so much into an episode and then nothing happens that's substantial for like three lots of exposition i'm glad we got to know more of like the reverend stone character yeah i do wonder if we're ever gonna see him again he looks so familiar like what else was he in his name is tom virtue really and he's playing a preacher he was in even stevens he was in green book strike against him gross iron man three also gross but for different reasons oh he was reuben and joseph king of dreams he was in The Wedding Ringer mm. with Queen Kaylee Kuoko. This has been episode 14 of Secret Life of Two Gay American Teenagers, The Father and the Son, but not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has no place in this episode or in this show, if we're going to be honest. You can follow us. Yes, on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at your two gay friends. You can follow individually i'm at go jesse 2k20 and i'm at gluten monster the o in monster is a zero if you want to comment or like tell us nice things or hype us up if you don't want to say anything mean um you can email us at sl sl with with jesse Jesse and and aaron Aaron at gmail.com please rate review subscribe and then also um subscribe to madison and lauren's only fans Yes. Um, we don't know their names, but do it. Renee Oldstead. Yeah, Renee Oldstead and... And Camille something. Camille something. Um, <laughs> and tell them that we sent you, if you can direct message on OnlyFans. And tell them to come on the pod. Yes. We cherish you. We love you. We want all the best things for you. Just use the Reverend Stone of the podcast. I am the Reverend Stone... Of the world, actually. (laughs) Bye. Bye.